Hello, and welcome to another episode of South Asian Stories, where we hear from South Asians around the world and uncover their identities, successes, failures, and most importantly, stories. I'm your host, Samir Desai. In this episode, I chat with Shabnam Samuel. Shabnam is a writer, coach, social media trainer, and the founder of the Punchkani Writers Retreat. This retreat incorporates mindful living along with creativity and wellness following Ayurveda principles. It has yoga, meditation, and writing workshops. As a writer, Shabnam has been writing ever since she can remember. Her essays have been published online in Brain, Cha Magazine, and Your Tango. Shabnam just released a memoir called A Fractured Life, which we delve in in the episode. As a coach, Shabnam also mentors with Empowered Women International in Alexandria, Virginia, which is an organization that helps train low-income, immigrant, and refugee women on how to be successful entrepreneurs. She's also a TV host. She hosts Do Drops and Words. It's a show that broadcasts to 6.1 million people in the Washington, D.C. area, which we'll cover more in the podcast. Her, sh- her story is absolutely riveting. Shabnam is extremely interesting, and we cover a lot in this conversation. So please enjoy my conversation with Shabnam Samuel. Shabnam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samir. We I'm are, happy to be here. Yeah, we are very, very excited to have you. Um, we, um, you know got a, a, a sense of your story and, and, and we just have so many things to talk about um, from your background and your, your life as a, as a writer and, and uh, you know, so many cool things. So I want to jump in very quickly um, to your background. You know, I think what's very interesting is, you know, coming from India and, and making a life in the U.S., so many of our listeners or our listeners' parents have done that thing and they've gone through that experience. Can you talk a little bit about your background and, and uh, what your childhood was like? Um, so uh, I got to the U.S. about 30 years ago. Okay. Um, that tells you how young I am. <laughs> um, so so uh, basically in India, I mean, I got married and came here with my son and my husband. Yeah. Um, and so I never really followed a traditional path. Uh, so my background is in advertising and public relations, which I did from the University of Delhi. And I always had dreams and hopes of coming to Madison Avenue in New York, New York and working there. Um, that never happened. Life intervened. You know, it was a question of survival in the U.S. Um, so that's where I came with what I came with from India. And, and when you um, came to I, the U.S., were you... Um, <laughs> Did you know that, hey, I wanted to try advertising and, and, and marketing, but you said, hey, when I got here, this might not be a good opportunity for me? Well, it was like a catch-22 situation. Um, I applied, but I didn't have a degree from here. Um, you know, a degree from India is not recognized in the U.S. Uh, you still have to go ahead and do so many other things to, you know, be on par with the U.S. degree. So that was one the ones who were willing to give me a job said, oh, my, you have no experience in the U.S. So it was like I couldn't open doors for myself where advertising was concerned. Got it. Got it. So after you realize, hey, this is not really working for me and, uh, you know, you're in the U.S., one of the things that, you know, I, I read uh, one of the articles about the, the transition here, you felt like, hey, like you felt this immense sense of of, of loneliness um, when you know when you talked about coming all the way from India, your family's back home. Can you talk a little bit uh, like about that feeling and 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 how that affected your life? Um, yes, I could. Um, so the loneliness came in when you realize that things are not going the way you thought they would go. Um, I I wrote an essay a long time ago called "The Death of a Dream." Uh, so my dream was always to, you know, be creative, you know, write my lines, do this, do that, um, make posters, make banners, do whatever I wanted to do. But when I came here and saw that it was such a different um, set of things that were happening here that I had no control over. Mm-hmm. Like for me, um, on the one hand, my, uh, and this is in the book, so I can go ahead and say it, my marriage was falling apart. Um, I had a young child. He was barely three. So what do I focus on? My career, my child, my trying to save my marriage. What am I doing? 
So, you know, life, like I said, life intervened and, you know, I had to pick and choose my priorities. So I, you know, it, it was something that I had to shut the door on my advertising dreams. So I, I, I want to touch into that. That is a very powerful thing when you have to make a decision between your career, your family, your marriage. Um, tell, tell us how you were feeling and, and how did you make a decision moving forward when I'm sure a lot of people listening have been in that situation where there's a lot of things going on in their life and they have to make a decision. How did you do that? Um, you know, um, Samir, I'll be honest, it took me 25 years and some months to make that decision. Sure. So, you know, we as South Asians, especially as Indians, we come from this culture of silence. Sure. You know, this culture has shrouded us uh, with this cloud of, you know, whatever is good, you can only see on the outside. Whatever is bad, you keep inside the home. And, you know... We we imbibe that in our growing up. So for me, it was very isolating. I have no family here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no way. And in those days, I'm, I'm talking about 25, 26 years ago, uh, communication to India wasn't as easy as it is now with WhatsApp and, you know, um, calling over the phone was so expensive back then. So I really had nobody to fall back on. And... Uh, so for me, it was very isolating, very lonely. We belonged, and I, um, I don't know how much, uh, I, I see that you are involved in the South Asian society, and you know that every state in India has their own little groups here right. in the U.S. You know, right. I come from the state of Orissa, you know, that's OSA, you know, Orissa Society of Americas. You, you know, everybody has their own little group. So with, with them, I couldn't really be open and free because... Everybody was judging everybody. Sure. Everybody was comparing. Oh, you know, I, you know, this is my house. I have X number of paintings. I have this car, and I couldn't <laughs> keep up with all of that. I'm sorry, but that's how it was when, when you know, I first got here. So for me, that was another shock. That how do I even be on par with these people? So what I did for myself, I started withdrawing from all of these. Um, just staying by myself, looking after my son. I mean, I was still married. Um, I mean, I couldn't get away from the marriage. Um, so all of that was going on also in my journey to get to this point where I'm talk- sitting and talking to you today. Yeah, and I think that s- story of, of just grit and being able to survive, you know, for, for the 25 years and, and find yourself, I think a lot of people could relate to that. Uh, so t- t- tell us how how did writing play into this? You know, you've you've written a lot of essays, you've written this book. Have you always loved writing? How did you first get into it? Um writing I think was my way of communicating. Um I grew up in India with my grandparents. I didn't grow up with my parents. So there was a not not a lot of verbal communication that we had going they were like two generations removed from me. Yeah. So there was not much we could talk about. Um, things have changed now, but, you know, I grew up in the 60s. So it was, you know, that hierarchy was still there. You were never friends with your grandparents or your friends or, <laughs> or your parents. You know, there was always that distance. Um, and then I went to boarding school for a while. And from boarding school, uh, that was another isolating experience for me. So for me, writing was a way of ex- expressing what I was going through, what I was feeling. Um, I still have my boarding school letters when I was seven years old. And I, I look at that and I say, oh, my God, I'm trying to tell a story there. Yeah. Uh, no publisher picked it up then, but still. <laughs> um, so, so it was a way of expressing myself and a way of healing also for me. Because when I write, it soothes me, completely soothes me. Because I can, I can say whatever I want to my keyboard and my screen. Yeah. There's no, you know, it's not judging me back and I feel good. So that's right. how my writing came about. So you said your earliest memory is the, the letters you wrote in boarding school. Um, when you look back at it, what, what, what kind of stands out? Do you, do, do you feel like your style has evolved? At, I'm sure a ton since those first letters. Can you, can you talk about that first memory? Oh, my spelling has definitely improved. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, you know, it hasn't really changed because even in those letters, I I am trying to uh, find an identity. I'm trying to find a sense of belonging. Um, if you read my book, you'll you'll know why I feel so fractured. 
it's because I've never really had uh, a sense of, oh, I belong to X, Y, and Z. That has never been there for me from day one. So in boarding school, when I look at my letters, I look at them and I say, oh my God, I'm trying to connect with this family. I'm trying to tell my grandfather this. And I see that in my writing now also. It's like I'm always searching for a family. Yeah, no, that's that, that's great. And the thing I'm 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 all I'm very impressed by, um, Shabnam, is how authentic you are to your voice and how you talk about the issues that so many people have probably gone through. But as you mentioned, the culture of silence is prevalent everywhere, and for especially for our community, so you don't hear many people talking about it. What talk us through like the courage that it took to. You know, talk to talk about it in the the book, the fractured life, the memoir. How did you, how did you decide? I, a, I want to do this, and B, you know, it takes courage to write this. Can you talk about that process? Uh, yes, I can. I mean, I I always knew I had stories within me. Sure. I never really thought I would write a book. Uh, the book just came about. Um, but you know, in within us. Within us, then I started realizing, you know, I've lived this life. There has to be a point to it. I mean, if I look back and say, okay, I raised a son, you know, he's 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 doing well, he's he's healthy, whatever it is. But that's not what it is about. I mean, some point, something transpired. I'm like, I need to give back something of what I have learned. And in our South Asian communities, you know, we don't talk about our stories, our relationships. Yep. All our relationships are built on assumptions and expectations. Right. I mean, you just presume, oh, you know, oh, these, like, even at work, I look at people and they're like, you must be so happy at home. You know, your husband is there. I'm like, it's not like that. Not everybody. Oh, he must be an IT guy. You you, you don't have to work. Why? I mean, it's not like that. Yeah. People have stories. People are different. Um, so, you know, so I just wanted, I wanted to show how flawed we were also. Yeah. You know, people look at Indians and South Asians and say, oh, my God, they're so lucky. They're so brainy. They're so this. They're so that. But no, we're also flawed. We're so badly flawed. I mean, I have seen couples, you know, who live up one, the husband lives upstairs, the wife lives downstairs. I mean, but we still go on with life. I, I did that. I did that for 25 years. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, at some point, something has to give. At some point, you know, I don't have a daughter, but if I had a daughter, I would hate to see her go through this. So for me, even if there is one life that I can touch, one life that I can, you know, can say, okay, I need, I don't really need need to have x y and z i just need to stand up on my two feet and if you if you reach out there will always be somebody out there to hold your hand right. i didn't reach out i could have but i didn't uh, maybe that was my undoing for a lot of things but there's help out there always right i love that i i, I think you know being able to talk about things like this um and especially cuz I, I love what you mentioned about how the south asian community or even the asian community is such is like you know we've given the title of the model minority right we have such expectations to um you know you know not complain right. be you know you know in these these tracks of mind or tracks of careers and you know and not uh you know defer from that and i think it's nice and, and it's powerful to see people who are, are pushing the boundaries and say hey you know what this is not my path and this is not something that I, I, I want to do or who I want to be. And I'm, I'm so glad that you've chosen to, to, to write about that. Um, so as you've been writing the, finishing the memoir and, you know, mm -hmm. bringing up the stories that you've dealt with for the past 25, 30 years, was that tough at any point, Shabnam, to, to revisit some of those, you know, hard memories? Yes. And actually, I just don't go, I go back almost 50 years. Yeah. Um, into the book. Okay. So, uh, so yes, it. You know, I had to go back to a time and space that I didn't want to be in uh, because I've always shut that door. I've always, like in my book, I say, you know, I always lived in the shadows, but I write now to prove that I exist because that is very important. Uh, you know, it was like I was living my life, but living, living it, watching it from the outside. Um, I never owned my story, so people, you know, took took the liberty of writing my own my story for me. 
because I never owned it. I never said this is what happened to me. Somebody else said, oh, you know what? I think maybe this is what happened to her. No, you don't know that. So taking ownership was what I did. And yes, it was very difficult to go back. Some um, actually I just I was finishing up my final edits today and um, I sent it back to my to my publisher saying, it is does is it okay that I cried reading my own book? <laughs> so so it was difficult. Yes, it was to answer your question. Is there a piece of the the book or a piece of the memoir that um, that you can share one of the stories? If people are to say, hey, you know, this book is something that I like to read. Is there a story that you think would resonate with a lot of people if they, if they heard it? Maybe about a time in your childhood in the book or maybe a, a, a story from the, you know, dealing with the, your, your, your marriage that wasn't working. Is there a story you can share? Uh, definitely. I mean, I could, uh, you know, the one story that I pick up and I never actually wanted her to come to the forefront so much. And that is the story about my mother. Uh, but somehow the way the, the, the whole book came about, and it made me realize that's where all that's where my root cause of everything is from. Uh, for us Indians and South Asians and, and the world over, actually, your, your mother is supposed to be this figure that, you know, is all encompassing, is full of love, is full of. Uh, so I, I write about a mother who's not all of that. And that, I think, should should go out there. Because there are a lot of mothers like my mother. And there's no, I mean, I don't bear resentment. I don't hate her. I'm not angry with her. But we we as women need to make the world aware that we're not perfect. We're not perfect mothers. We're not perfect wives. So I write about that. And that, I think, will resonate with a lot of people who think mothers should be perfect and are not perfect. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really great point. And... Um... Is there as uh so you you talk about your mother and how that had a big effect for you was she um what about uh, about your your mom really affected you growing up was it the fact that she wasn't there as part of your life that you lived with your grandparents or was it something else can you share Yes I mean for me it was um I lived in the same city as my mother all my life um but she never acknowledged me, never told the world that I was her daughter. And um, so I have siblings who were not aware of the fact till about 10 years ago that I was their sister. So that, I think, affected me a lot more than anything else, because that is basically wiping out someone's existence Yeah. in the sure. sense. Yeah, I, I'm a living being. Yes, I eat, I drink, I sleep, whatever. But there's more to a human being than just that. You know, there's emotions, there's blossoming, there's a flowering of that person from the inside. There's so many other things that go with it. But but when you know that your identity has been truly wiped out, then it's like you don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah. So especially your family, right? If your family doesn't acknowledge you, your own mother, that must have deeply affected your life, right? And, and what... Can you talk about what that felt like? Did you know um, the abandonment that you felt growing up or did you have to kind of re rediscover those feelings later on in life when you had time to mature and think about it? No, it was, uh, unfortunately, it was always there. It, it was always this sense of self-worth was not there at all. I mean, if, you know, if, if you feel your mother can abandon you, then anything in this world can happen. Yeah. So there was always this feeling of not being good enough, not, you know, and when you're growing up as a young teen, all those all those things are important. They matter. They, they shape your personality. They give you confidence uh, to go do so many things in the world. But when that is not there, it's like you're not even sure of yourself. You, you don't know which way to go. So that was always there with me. Yeah. And was there... I mean, and and forgive me if you mentioned this in the in the book, but was there a reason why you found out why your mom didn't, um, you know, accept you or, or approve of you? Did you ever find out why? I I did I did um, I actually came to my I kind of did and I always knew why um, I did want to I met her a couple of years ago and I didn't want to ask I did want to ask her why, but she was not in a in a 
face to give me the answers. So I closed the chapter on that. But I kind of know why she did what she did. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yes. So do you feel you you got some resolution or is it, you know, something that you think about still a lot? I, I, resolution, no, because a lot of questions are not answered. But acceptance, yes. Because, you got know, it. I, I don't have another 50 years to live my life. Right. Um, so I have to be okay with what I know. Um, writing the book helped and I'm okay now to move forward and say, you know, whatever comes, comes. I've, I've dealt with that. I've addressed it. And, uh, for me, the main thing is, was, you know, to tell the world, Hey, I existed even back then. You guys saw me, but y'all didn't see me, but yeah, here's my book. Now I exist. Yeah. You know, so that was, <laughs> that was something that I had to do for myself. It's almost, you wrote the book, Shabnam, as like a cathartic expression of, I need to get this on, on a page just to, you know, tell myself more than anything, everything that I'm feeling and put it on, on paper. And through that, people can learn my story and then maybe find similarities that, Hey, even through all this, I was able to build a life for me that I found some fulfillment. Um, despite the oh, absolutely. Tough background. Is that right? Absolutely. You're so correct to me. You know, despite of, in spite of, I still found my way out. You know, I still, um, you know, I'm, I might not have a private jet to fly around with, <laughs> but I'm happy with what I'm doing. You know, my creativity is back. I'm, you know, I've, I've, I think I've left a little mark in this world. Um, you know, I know my son is proud of me. So all these little things matter to me. Yes, yes. So let's talk about that, like what you're currently doing. I, You know, I see that you've involved in a lot of other things, you know, other than just writing. Can you talk about um, your, your TV show or your TV um, TV spot, the, the Do Drops and Words? I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Definitely, definitely. So it started about a year ago. Um, uh, it's it's low. I don't know if uh, if you've ever watched that show. It's the Global Television Network. Okay. It's broadcasted out of uh, Virginia and DC, and it covers the tri-state area of uh, Virginia, DC, and Maryland. And now, actually, we're on Fox Five with with the TV show. So it started out with um, my. I actually went to the TV TV station, you know, hoping that I would get an interview about my book and my writers' retreat and all of that. But turns out they turned around and said, hey, we want you to be a host. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but let's do it. So then I thought about the TV show and I said, you know, this could be a platform for women, uh, women to express themselves, you know, women successful in so many different things. Um, and just not women, you know, I open it up to men also because, uh, you know, there are a lot of men who are marginalized also. Um, and I don't want them to be to feel isolated or anything. But mainly, this was for women. I used I get a lot of women authors, creative people, writers, um, some people who run nonprofit organizations, just to come up on the show. And you know, then we go back and forth with six or seven questions, and it's broadcasted once a month. So you know, it tells different every month. There's a different person telling their story. Awesome. I guess that's similar to what we're trying to do on this podcast too, learning the stories of yes. people who, you know, have a very interesting backgrounds in, 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 you know, telling, telling their story and having people listen about it. That's amazing. Is there, um, a guest that you had on Do Drops and Words, Shabnam, that you, um, can, can talk about that had a big impact to you that, that kind of sticks in your mind? Um, it was actually a gentleman, and it's up on uh, on YouTube if you ever look at it. It's Dr. Shambhubanik, and he he's actually a, um, a he's a therapist. So we talked about women, and we talked especially about our South Asian community. And he's been a member of this community for about twenty thirty years, or not if not more. Um, and how you know we as a community know the person across the street, our neighbor, is suffering. But because she's Indian, because we have these walls built around us, we cannot go and access them and say, hey, you need help. Talk to me. I'll help you out. So and he, the way he spoke, I feel there is still hope. Uh, we can break through these silencing walls, you know, these walls that we have around beltways or, you know, whatever. 
these soundproof wall sound barriers, <laughs> we can break. <laughs> we can still break through that and and come out and say, you know, we are here as a community. We're just not here for the good times. You know, you come to my house. I'm having a party this Saturday. Next Saturday is your house. No, we're more than that. Yeah. And if we could come together in small ways and do that for another person, and and, and I speak about it so passionately because for 25 years I was part of the society. Yeah. Who kind of knew I wasn't doing well, but didn't do anything about it. Maybe it's my fault too. Maybe I didn't express to myself the way I needed to. But, you know, if we can do that, I think we'd be much happier as a community, as a society. We'd be giving back so much more. I 100% agree. And that's something I want to spend a little bit of time about. You know, you touched on something very important where the community doesn't talk about when things are going badly, but always like to talk about when things are going well, right? Um, and is there a um a any tips that uh that uh Shambhu Bonak said or or that you learned through the, your book or your your time there let's say someone has has a you know a gut feeling that someone in their community their neighbor their their acquaintance their their family friend is going through something tough but they just don't know what to do about it do you have any strategies or or tips that you would would recommend if someone just wants to help out, but they don't know where to start? You know, I would say just just go to that person directly. And if you have a similar story, like for me, it'll be easy for me to connect because, you know, now my book is out, uh, but not everybody is a me. Not everybody has a story like mine. But even just, for example, anybody, just go and say, hey, are you okay? If you need to talk, let me know. I'm here for you. Even that one line, and don't be, but it has to come with a whole lot of other things also, Samir. Like it it has to come without being judgmental, without saying, oh, you know what, this is how they are. Let's just, you know, accept it and move on. No, let that person decide whether she wants to move on or not. You know, be there for that person. Let that, let the person who's suffering do the talking. Yeah. Because somehow we've already, you know, if you know, you know xyz is suffering we've already decided in our minds what we need to tell that person oh you have kids you got to stick in this marriage you got to do this no let that person decide what her limits are what her boundaries are yeah and how do you um you know if someone is going through something they want to share and you say that like hey are you doing okay like i'm here to talk about it they just don't know where to start or like they're they're afraid of being judged right because yep. that's something that our, our community does unfortunately if, if something yep. is a little bit off how do you help someone feel comfortable in their own skin comfortable sharing what's going on without them feeling like they're going to be judged or that you're there just to listen that's a good point i mean it's because of who we are as 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 a nation or because of who we are with our culture we always have this in our mind ki you know i'm going to say this in hindi lo kya sochenge yeah uh, I, for me it would be no just just reach out to this person tell them look i've been in your shoes i've been through this i know this and you can do this yeah. i mean i'm not saying go there and you know pull her out of a marriage I, i'm just giving an example of you know being in a bad marriage it could be so many other things i'm not saying go pull her out of a marriage and say oh leave him and just go no you know you need to just be there for that person listen to what she's going through and then make a decision as what you know what you should do and if you need to fall back on other community members but not everybody's out there to help like you know a lot of us are still very judgmental but over the course of years and a few gray hairs you kind of realize who's in your court and who's not sure sure so and i think and, and and correct me if i'm wrong i think the culture is slowly shifting to being a little bit more open to you know things like this happening so you know here in in, in texas uh where i live there's a couple of uh, organizations that i follow that i think are doing some really great work one of them is started one by one of my very good friends it's called manmukti it's about south asian mental health and how that's something that's 
you know, kind of swept under the rug when, when yes. people have issues with, with mental health. Another one that, yes. that, uh, you know, uh, some that my family members are involved in is called Chetna, which is, uh, kind of a, a safe I know Chetna, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these are kind of things that have sprung up because there's been a, an immense need for it, but people are just, you know, slowly coming to terms, especially in our community, that these things are okay to talk about. Because the only way we talk about it is when we find resolutions um, and have, a, you know, communities to, to, to support that. Um, so so going off that, I'd love to hear your perspective. You know, you are very open and candid about, hey, I was in a very tough marriage, a marriage that was, that was breaking, and I had to find a resolution and, and find a way out. What advice, Shabnam, could can you give or, or share to people who are having a tough relationship? They feel a little bit trapped um, where they are. Is there anything you recommend for them to do if they're listening and they want to make take the first step into finding a resolution or finding a way out? Necessarily, um, what do you? What would you tell them? You know what? I, the first thing I would say to them is, don't give up on your dreams. Um, find that even though you're in a bad bad situation, find that one thing or two things that brings, you know, calms your heart down, that find some, you find some solace there. For me, I gave up on all of that. I loved writing. I'm I'm an avid photographer. Uh, I gave up everything just because I wanted to be in this part of feeling sorry for myself, you know, feeling, you know, what did I do to deserve this? No, get out of that. Because before you know, 20 years would have gone by and you're still there saying, oh, woe me, you know, what happened to me? So don't give up on your passions. If you like to read, read. If you like to go do photography, do that. And then once you have that going for you, it's like a support system within yourself for yourself. Then reach out to other people. Then talk to people in similar positions. Uh, you know, that's how you slowly do it. Yeah, I love that. Finding, hey, what is the things that gave me joy, and bring that back into your life, and and, and yes. then you know, reach out for help when you need it. And I think those are very, very important things that I love to you know, to underscore. Um, I want to spend a moment, Shabnam, talking about your writer's retreat. Um, I think this mm-hmm. is something that I was very impressed by. And you know, it sounds like uh, a lot of work has been put into it. Um, and, you know, and it looks like an amazing cause. Can you talk a little bit about how it came about and how you um, how you created this? Sure, absolutely. I mean, uh, so for me, like the past five, six, seven years is when I've reached back into myself to all my creativity and pull everything out. Um, I, I, so writing is a passion. You know that now. Right. Um, and I've always wanted to. So I looked at all these retreats in the U.S. and they're beautiful, these retreats over here, but so expensive. And so, you know, it's it's sometimes it's unaffordable. Um And then I thought, hey, you know, there's India. India has so much to offer in terms of culture, color, noise, food, you know, yoga, meditation, Ayurveda. Let's just combine everything and make this wonderful seven-day getaway for people who want to do something like that. So what we did was we created, um, we we got the space. It's a beautiful eight-acre eight-acre space of trees and flowers up in the hills of Panchgani. It's, I don't know if you're familiar with the west coast of India. It's about five hours from Mumbai. Okay. Um, and so that's how it came about. And I have a friend in New York. Uh, she's also a writer. And um, she was a, she's a yoga instructor. And then she was certifying herself in Ayurveda. So I got her on also. So we combine all of this. We combine writing with uh, creativity in your food, in your mind, in your ambience, and how all that helps towards writing. I love it. And h- how many how many years have you guys been doing this? This will be my fourth year. Fourth year, wonderful. Yes. And tell us how it's evolved over the last few years. Have you slowly increased the number of people that you've had involved in it? What's what's it been like in the last four years? 
So I have a limit. I don't take more than four, seven people at one sitting. Okay. Uh, because then what happens is you lose that uh, interaction, one-on-one interaction. You lose that little space that you create for yourself. It's very different from getting 10, 15 people, you know. So I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep it small. I wanted to keep it intimate. I wanted to have our one-on-one sessions. So I don't go more than six. Um, some years there have been only three, but I still go ahead and do it. Most years we've been between six and seven. And that's that's as much as I want to keep it. Um, but the thing of it is, it's just taken on a life of its own. I have other than social media, and we all know the power of social media, I do not talk about the retreat anyplace else, but through social media, I mean, I've had people from all over the country, all over the world actually come, Um, you know, so it's just taken on a life of its own. I love it. I don't do any advertising for it, nothing. And we actually were um, in business world in India, uh, ranked us uh, among the 10 best retreats in the world. I saw that. Congratulations. That's yep. a, that's an amazing Thank you. accomplishment. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, let's say I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a budding writer or someone who wants to get involved in the uh, the Punchkani mm-hmm. Writers re- Retreat. What, it, it, you know, once I go to this and do these seven days um, at the retreat, what would I hope to get out of it? Like, do I feel like I develop as a writer or am I inspired by all the you know, activities or, or environment that you have there, what's kind of like the the, the result right. of something like me if I wanted to go there? So if you're talking about a budding writer, um, you know, then what 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 we have, we, we also have workshops. Okay. And depending whether you write fiction, nonfiction or poetry, we do have workshops that walk you through each stage of it. We have prompts that we give you in the mornings to write about. Um, and believe it or not, the ambience just makes you right because 24-7 and that's all we do. I mean, we don't have to worry about our food or our laundry or, you know, cleaning the rooms or anything. We are just there to write and talk and interact. And you'll be surprised just with our interview. You know, we, we, at four o'clock, it's, it's a routine. We have chai and samosas and this and that. And we just sit there and talk and talk and you glean and glean so many different things from so many different people. Because everybody comes there with a different lifestyle, different world. And we just, you know, learn so much for me. And then for people who are halfway through their writing, like for me, I actually finished my book at the retreat last year. I knew which direction I, yeah, I, I knew which direction I wanted to go, how I wanted it to evolve. So there are different stages. And then if you're struggling with something and you want to, you know, you want one-on-one interaction with either me or Shweta, uh, who's my co-host? Uh, we 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 do that also. We sit with you, guide you, and tell you which path to go on, and so forth. That is great, and I I think just the what you mentioned about how having people from different walks of life coming together in this environment that is totally separate from their normal lives and just being able to focus on the the creativity and the writing and and just the conversation is a powerful way to um you know spark creativity and i think you know in this world uh, that is so connected and you're always um you know, thinking about other people and you're seeing social media and stuff like that. You need these kind of things to break away for you to be in touch with more of what's in your soul and, you know, what you want to express. So I think that's an amazing, amazing um, idea and an accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, we do get a lot done. Then we do a lot of sightseeing, nature hikes and all of that. So it's uh, that's that's my seven days I look forward to. I mean, everybody's like, where are you going on vacation? So there's no vacation for me. I mean, India is never vacation, you know. So, right. uh, but I, I, I just love going there. I don't take any other vacations. I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. I want to see the rest of the world, but India it is. Yeah, and, now, and it seems like there's a lot of great momentum behind it. So uh, I love it. I love it. Um, great. So, Shabnam, uh, I would love to move to our uh, our rapid fire questions. And again, these are questions from the audience that we ask every mm-hmm. one of our guests that um, that we've gotten some very, very, very good answers for. Um, so, I'd love to start 
with the first question is, is there a purchase of $100 or less that has most improved your life in the past six months? Oh, yes. my uh, What I did was finally invested in one of those um, uh, portable batteries for your phone. Oh, nice. Phone batteries? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I would go, and especially now, because, you know, I keep getting these messages and my editor sends me something, the intern sends me something, and I'm always running out of iPhones have no battery life. I'm sorry to say that. Right. So I finally got one of those and life is so much better. Right. You don't, I don't go hunting for a die. plug point. <laughs> yep. Is there yeah. a, a brand you recommend that, that do you just use the Apple uh, charging case or is there one that you, that you have? Yeah. I, no, it's an Apple charging okay. one. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Um, Second question for you, Shabnam, is is there a South Asian person that you look up to when you think of the word success? Who would you say comes to mind and, and, and why? You know, I'm going to I'm going to mention a name. It is controversial, but uh, you know, this is politics aside, her policies aside, I would say Indira Gandhi. Okay. I, and the reason I say that is because when she came to power and when she was doing the things she was doing, running a country and, you know, I was at my lowest point as a woman then. And just to see her so strong, uh, for me, she was like, I've never seen women like that. I mean, I grew up in a very small town in, you know, in, in, in India. I had never seen a woman driver when I was growing up. So you can imagine when she came onto the scene, it was like, oh, my God. Um, so she influenced me a lot in terms of courage, yep. in terms of, yes, a woman can do whatever she sets her mind to do. So uh, and she comes to my mind when I think of courage and anybody that I would look up to. And I'm not talking politics or anything else just as a woman and what she did. Yeah, and I think that's a very important point I want to underscore is the fact of having role models that people that look like you, that are like, uh, you know, the same sex as you, that are doing things that you want to do, just having someone be like, hey, that is possible because they're doing it, even if you don't know them personally, yes. I think is so important. And um, I love that you you use her as an example because of how of how much she affected, you know, young women everywhere. That hey, this is possible. You can reach the highest uh, parts of, of society and, and 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 do well, even as a woman, Indian woman, in, in that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Yep. Um, the the third question I have for you is: Is there a movie or book? That has had a the most impact on you. Um, I will say a book. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this author called Danny Shapiro. Okay. Um, I read a lot of um, because of the genre I write in. I don't read too much of fiction. I read a lot of nonfiction and creative books. Um, and so she she wrote a book called Still Writing. Um, it's the perils and pleasures of a creative life. And it, you know, it it uh, it marks the beginnings of your writing, the middles of your writing, and then the end of your writing. And for me, uh, you know, growing up in India, writing or uh, saying I wanted to be an artist was not was frowned upon by your parents. You're never going to make any money there. You know, you know, what are you going to do? You'd be a starving artist. So I never really had any book to follow there or to or, or you know to read and say hey look she's written about exactly what I want to do so when I came here and heard about her and her books that book is I think I don't know how old it is but it, it's just something that has stayed with me and I, I read it every couple of months I pick it up and read it again yeah and it's, it's funny how these books that you discover years ago right and you read it and it has such an impact on you when you pick it up again I feel that sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, I missed this part or missed this small yes. detail that I, I just picked up the second or third or fourth time that I think makes a, books like these so powerful because you can come back to it and learn something new. Right. And, you know, it's also the moment, like this moment I might read a sentence, it might seem this way or feel this way to sure. me. But in another moment, it's absolutely different. So, yes. So there's a lot of clarity there. Great, and again, for all the listeners, we'll, we'll we'll link these 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 things that Shabnam has mentioned in the show notes that so you can uh, grab a copy and uh, be inspired just like like she was. Um, 
Cool. The the next question I have is, is there, um, you know, one of the things, the, the, the lovely things about this is we get to talk to people like you, um, who are, are forging the path for many people who are listening, who want to be writers or want to be artists or want to be in the creative field. If you had to give any advice to an upcoming person, a South Asian person in the field of writing or creative arts, what advice would you give them and, and, and why? You know, Samir, uh, when I started writing my book, I started looking for memoirs by Indians. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the books that you read about Indians are about, you know, spouses and spices and, you know, <laughs> it seems that's all we're about. Yeah. But we're not, you know, we need stronger South Asian stories. You know, people out there don't know how to react to someone who's different. I mean, within my family, they look at me and think, what is wrong with you? Why are you, why are you saying all these things out in the book? You know, so we need more of these voices. We need, this is the new normal. This is what one should be. One should be authentic. One should say, hey, you know, I don't feel well today. It's, it, I need a mental health day. I need, I need to go do something for myself. But we never do those things. It's always, oh, no, never mind. I'll be fine. I'll just, you know, have a cup of tea and get over it. No, you know, take time out for yourself. Focus on yourself every now and then. Um, because if, you, if you're not healthy, you know, the people around you are not going to be healthy either. Yeah. So that, that is what I would say is just be true to yourself. Be true to your own voice and how you're feeling. Yeah. I'm not saying be be selfish and say, oh, 24-7, it's about me. No. <laughs> you know, so that's what I would say. And I just uh, a question on that that I'd love to hear your perspective on is when people are being their authentic self and, and sharing things that are very deeply personable, where they're vulnerable and, and share about um, their life, whether it be a book or, or with, uh, you know, people they know or whatever medium they choose. How does someone like you or what advice would you give to someone if they're hearing pushback from their family or their friends or their community that say, hey, why are you talking about this or why are you sharing this? How have you dealt with that and how, how, how would you respond? Um, I, 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 yes, and I do deal with it. I still deal with it. Um, you know, I would say ask yourself, whatever you're trying to voice, how important is that for you? How important is it, you know, when you're sitting by yourself in your room with no lights on, crying yourself to sleep, where are those people who've been telling you, hey, why do you want to say this? Why do you want to do that? Are they sitting by your side? Are they holding your hand for mm -hmm, you? Mm -hmm. So look at the larger picture, see what is important to you and how it matters to you. And then, you know, you make, see, everybody's levels are different. You make that decision. For me, it was very important that I check with my son, um, you know, check with him how he would feel about the stories I was going to write about his father. Um, you know, all said and done at the end of the day, that was his father. So, you know, everybody has their own barometers that they need to check where they are at in their lives and check with those factors. If, if, the, if, if those factors are okay, I would say, Forget about the people who are two, three, uh, two, three steps removed from you. Yeah, yeah. So be just be your authentic self. I like that, and I like the analogy you gave. Like at the end of the day, when you're by yourself, and you know who's really there for you, and that it should be a great barometer of these are the people that matter to me, and and if if, if someone else is outside that circle, don't don't worry about them. You know, worry about what you you who you right. are what you're trying to say and and the, and the people that the matter will, will will stick by you no matter what um right wonderful wonderful so you know is there any final ask shabnam you have for the audience anything you'd like to leave them with before we uh before we uh get off i'd, I'd love to to hear if you have anything to 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 to, to give the audience as, as a final um final recommendation you know um with writing this book, and this is on a personal note, with writing this book, uh, you know, I've opened myself up to a lot of things that are going to come my way. And if one of the things that comes my way is people trying to reach out to me and saying, hey, you did this. How did you do this? You know, I'm open to that. If somebody out there listening wants to reach out to me, wants to ask for help, you know, 
what did you do? What do you think of this? I'm always there to listen. I'm always there to reach out and say, hey, talk to me and I can I can see what I can do. So that's what I would I would I would say that, you know, if you feel you want to reach out to me, please do so. Perfect. And and where can people find you? Where can people reach out? Um, that's a good question. Um, I have a Facebook page. It's called, um, it's my author page. They can reach out there. It's called uh, Foot, Footprints in Words. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, or just put my name in Shabnam Samuel and you can you can find me there. Okay. Great. Great. And again, we'll put this all in the, in the show notes. And uh, uh, for people who would like to get in touch with Shabnam, we'll have that there available for them. For you to uh, to 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 message her and, and reach out. Um, perfect. Well, Shabnam, thank you very very much for an incredible interview. We uh, just have so many so many good things that that we shared, and I appreciate your what you've been doing with the, the with the retreat, with your with your TV show, with your your new memoir. Um, when, when will the memoir be out? By the way, so if people want to pick it up. Uh, so it's it's already available for pre order on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Wonderful. Um, you- you can pre-order it now, but it won't come to you till about September 18th. Okay. September 19th is my official publication date. Um, so uh, it's I my first show is my uh, not show my first reading is in Frederick, Maryland, where I live, um, and then I tour the U.S. for a little bit. I go to the West Coast also. Um, I go to New York and all of that. So. If anybody wants to follow or come, if anybody's in the area, it'll be on my. It'll definitely be on my Facebook page. I'll post the dates and the times. Okay. Um. Yep. And you can get it at any bookstore once nineteenth comes along. Awesome. Awesome. So, for people listening, pick up a fractured life um, in September, and um, you know, reach out to Shabnam uh, as you read it. I hope everyone enjoys. It's going to be, I think, an amazing memoir and very important to the community as she shares very personal things about her story. So, um, thank you, Shabnam, for being on South Asian Stories. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Samir. Hey guys, it's Samir again. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories on South Asians around the world, please check out SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com and subscribe to our email list. That's SouthAsianStoriesPodcast.com. Thanks a lot and see you next time.